Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track podcast. I'm your host, you with him. Hope you're all doing well. So it's another week, it's another guest, it's another episode. Today's guest is Josh Weller. I've met Josh for the first time um, when he recorded Hardcore Listing. Uh, maybe five, six months ago, he was introduced to us by um, Scroob, who's a mutual friend. And what a lovely introduction it was too. Um, instantly got a great connection with Josh. He's so easy to get on with, so easy to talk to. And it was a no-brainer when I decided to start recording off the Beaten Track podcast that Josh would be a guest uh, he's a wealth of knowledge on music, and we discuss it. We go in on it, and yeah, I don't need to tell you anymore because you're here for a reason. You're here to listen to it. So I'm going to do a quick few shout-outs. Firstly, to 76, who's my producer. Thank you loads, Stu. And I just said thanks loads, Stu. Just so you don't think I'm thanking myself there. 76 is also called Stu, but, you know, there's too many Stu's. So big thanks to 76. Uh Big thanks to Brad Acton for doing the video stuff that you see on the social media pages. Thanks to My Name Is Ad, who does the artwork for the podcast. And thanks to everybody on the Distraction Pieces Network. Go check them out. That's it. Let's get on with it. Off the Beaten Track podcast with Mr. Josh Weller. 76, drop the intro. It's Off the Beaten Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Me, stew with him. Right, welcome to Off the Beaten Track podcast. It's a Monday afternoon. This is my third podcast of the day. My guest last time, um, our guest appeared on Hardcore Listing. I believe we was doing a monster marathon of uh, chat. Um, oh God, that sounded really partridge then, didn't it? Uh, but um, <laughs> so let's let's just steam straight in. Welcome, Josh Weller. Hello, Hayden. I'm good. Thank you very much. Thanks um, for having me back. Thanks for, for coming back with a Kenneth's T-shirt. Yes, I misjudged. Well, the band just split up, so I have a surplus of these fucking T-shirts now, so I have to give them away somehow. Okay. Did you not know that we'd split up? I did not know that you oh. split up. Right, okay. God, the look on your face right now. Is... Like... <laughs> well, um, sh- should we talk about that? We can talk about it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, how, yeah. Come? Uh, how come we split up? Yeah. Um, Jeez, that's a, there's a multitude of reasons, but uh, I think to sum it up, the Kenneths, I think we needed a certain level of industry involvement for it to get to the next level, mm-hmm. or for it to get to where we wanted it to get to, and, and it, that 
industry involvement just wasn't going to happen, mm -hmm. I think. So I think the smartest thing to do in those situations is you can, you know, I've been in other bands and projects and stuff, and I think you can either keep plugging away or you can go on to something else and kind of learn from the mistakes that you've made, uh, you know, the last time around. So I yeah. think that's kind of why, in a nutshell, I mean, we could make, we could do a whole podcast about it, but it, would be, him, right? it would be incredibly boring. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, in a nutshell, that's, that's why, that's why we broke up. Yeah. Okay. So that's why you've got the t-shirt as well. Anyone who passes me now gets a Kenneth t-shirt. Okay. Basically. I, I, mean, I throw them out my bedroom window. At so night, surely right? now if I put that on eBay, it's worth more now you've split, right? In theory, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's generally the plan in previous podcasts that I always kick things off with track one, which is the song with the greatest intro. Can I ask you a question that you may have talked about already? Go for it. How did you come up with these questions? Because they're very good. Thanks. Um, I really like things on like the NME or Q. Generally, whenever I'd go on holiday, I'd be at an airport and there'd be like this kind of Q special, which is like the hundredth greatest albums you must own. And, and within them, there used to be little subcategories. And I used to just love it. I used to just love sort of hearing people, like creative people, talk about things that have kind of put dents in their lives. Mm. So I quite like that. So, and it was, you know, this it's obviously going to draw comparisons to uh, Desert Island Discs. Never, which, I've never heard of that show, so I don't, uh, I don't know what that is. It's all right. I think it's been going a couple of it years. It sounds now. like it's never going to be an institution. No, no, <laughs> never. And, uh, and I love listening to Desert Island Discs. And... And being a music nerd, I wanted to kind of ask the questions that I'd like to be asked. And, uh, and so they, just whenever I talk to my friends about music, after drinking or whatever, these questions, one of the seven would, would generally kind of crop up. Mm. You know? and, and the one that was probably why I've chose it first, which, which makes sense on, the, on the, the track list of songs we're going to talk about, is obviously the song with the greatest intro. Um, in Josh Weller form. Mm -hmm. Oh, did I send you a list? Of Sorry. You fucking did. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when, when you was on hardcore lifting, you couldn't just do a top five. You generally just done top five, top fives. I did the, yeah. You've done did all a, the fives. I did a top five of top fives that weren't my top five. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, by the way, you know that that podcast, I think, was longer than every film that was nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars last year. Was it? We did that. We went long. It was what? Maybe. As an hour and a half? Maybe a little over. Yeah. Like, it, was, it was longer than a feature film. But that's good. Yeah. We'd never met. We, we, did, we lacked a three-act structure. <laughs> Definitely that. <laughs> I mean, it was good, though. You know, it was... It was we'd, we'd never met. So yep. just sometimes that can be weird to sit down in front of someone and go, right, let's just start talking loads. And I really enjoyed it. And now we are text buddies. Yes. So yes. that's one great thing that's yeah. come out of it as well. You're not just Pip's mate now. Right. I, I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah you're our yeah. mate now. I'm yours in, your own, in, in exactly, our own right. Exactly. Yeah. It was getting cold in Pip's shadow. I'm but, not really uh, even his mate. I don't like him that much. No, he's very overrated. Uh, I do have a, I think I might have said this on the last one, but I have a picture of me and Pip from like, fuck, I mean, 10 years ago. And I had a big mohawk. Yep, I remember. I was like a big straight up haircut like ridiculous like a troll yeah like, and pip had a 
the big long beard. Yeah. And the picture of us next to each other, it's like one of those things where if you sw switched one upside down, we're, it just looked like two people. Yeah. It was the same person, but you'd flip one of them 180 There's, degrees. In my local pub, which is a, a grubby little pub in, in Grays in Essex, behind the bar, and it's been there ever since I started drinking there when I was like 18, is this kind of sign, which when you look at it is a, what, a, a beautiful woman. And that's like one pint. And then when you turn it upside down, it turns into an elderly woman. And then it's just got I remember that. six pints. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, it sits quite comfortably next to them kind of signs you get in offices. Like, you don't have to be mad to work here, but it helps. My, you know. gr my granddad drew me a picture when I was a kid of a light bulb. And he was like, this way around, it's a light bulb. And then he flipped it and he went, this way around, it's a woman bending over in the bath. See where you went with that. Yeah, interesting. Weird thing to show a five-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is quite a weird yeah, thing to weird. show a five-year-old. And now light bulbs turn me on. It's, it's, yeah. yeah it's I terrible. mean, we're sitting in the dark right now. Uh, we, when, when we got in, Josh was nursing a, a, a large erection. It was like, mate, dim the lights. It's getting out of control already. <clears throat> right, Josh. Okay. You've, gone for, you've got two choices here, so you can throw them in. For, uh, I'll leave that. There, so you can see. Oh, just okay, great. Uh, the song for the greatest intro is. Uh, what did I put? Oh, I put "Help" by the Beatles. Okay. Why? Yeah. Well, the Beatles were quite good. Mm. Um, I don't care what anyone says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Throw it out there, mate. What's the line Be from brave. Partridge? Wings were the band the Beatles could have been. Yeah. yeah. Probably have to I be just, the best of the Beatles. I'd probably have to say the best of the Beatles. <laughs> There's something about the, that intro that, firstly, like, aside from me being five, six years old and hearing it, and I remember hearing, I remember hearing the song when I was five and being like, oh, man, life's going to be a nightmare, isn't it? Because it's like, it's a, it's a really emo mm. song. And, like, when I was younger, so much younger than today, and he's, like, 15 when he wrote it. Yeah. I remember hearing it and having this weird realisation that life's going to be a nightmare. Yeah. And I think that... It always stuck with me and I think that it has this like it's like an it's like an original punk song help like it cuts out all the fat and there's no bollocks in that song it just the song just starts help boom, boom, boom. I need somebody got urgency in it it's just you're immediately in it's just like it's a punch in the face yeah. every time I hear it I don't think I've ever heard help come on and not listen to the whole song and the whole song's like two minutes long mm. And it's the perfect, it's the perfect pop song. The structure has that verse chorus, but and I, d I don't even know if I don't think there's a middle eight. I don't think there is. There's not. But there's the and then it has the great outro. Mm. And like, it's just it's such a. I love um, uh, growing up listening to like all the Tim Pan Alley like 30s, 20s, mm -hmm. 30s, 40s songwriters like Cole Porter and Irving Berlin and all those guys. I really grew to love that when a song has an intro before the refrain of the song. So if you listen to like a, a Cole Porter song or, you know, um, uh, Anything Goes or You're the Top or something like that, that, you know, they start with, times have changed and we've often ruined, and it has this whole intro that w weirdly is catchier than most pop songs now. Yeah. And then they give you this, this big payoff. And, mm. you know, like when Frank Sinatra would sing, 
the hits as he got older and is uh, he, he, they'd often cut the beginnings of the songs off the recordings so when my my aunt had this Frank Sinatra CD and I remember listening to like Come Fly With Me and I Get A Kick Out Of You and they would be missing the intro they'd literally been chopped off so it would fit on the CD really? Uh, yeah yeah and I think that is sort of what started me is just I was obsessed with pop music and obsessed with like just the song just being bunched together and you getting everything immediately and I think that helps like the kind of the perfect song you're not waiting for anything there are you there's not it's immediately it starts on the chorus I mean what is the chorus of that song it's like a it's the whole song is the chorus isn't it that's a really good point like help I need somebody yeah and is that does it do that again I don't know could you say the same am I wrong paperback writer which one's that how does that start just the vocal again paperback writer Just like bang, here's the yeah. song, and like I just I don't know that assault on your ears every time I hear it, and like it's really weird. The the the, one, the, the podcast I recorded prior to this one um, was 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 with your friend James, and uh, and he chose Resurrection by the Roses mm. for the complete opposite reason of what you've just said. He liked the just the simplicity of them drums at the beginning, and then you have to wait. Which one's that? Is that the first album? Yeah. See, I've got, okay, I've got, I have to confess, to me, The Stone Roses, The Happy Mondays, yep. and uh, Primal Scream, yep. I, to me, they're all the same band. Okay. I can't, I've never had that, yeah. I haven't gone through it yet, I haven't yeah. had that, that moment of, of, of loving those bands yeah. yet. So like, I can't, for me, I get mixed up. Which one had Bez in it? Mondays. And then, what was the other one I just said? Primal Scream. No, the other one. Primal Scream. Stone Roses. Happy Mondays. Stone Roses. Yeah. And that's Ian Brown. That's his, his Ian Brown. See, I've got a lot to learn. You have. Yeah. You've got some joy to be had there yeah. as well. It's a good feeling, isn't it? Yeah. Go, yeah. go by Screamadelica. Okay. <laughs> Not right now. Okay. Right. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, so I put two down. Yeah. I? So yeah, aside from the Beatles, you've also gone for... Rhapsody uh, in Blue. Mm. Yeah. By George Gershwin. Okay. Which was his like... Him, George and Ira Gershwin, again, like two pop writers from the 20s and 30s and 40s and, did, you know, every great musical ever. And he tried to fuse, he tried to take the, uh, to prove that jazz voicings and jazz chord and, and jazz chords and like, essentially like the, the way that he would write songs and how they became standards in the, in the jazz world, he tried to then fuse that with with basically writing this big masterful orchestral yeah. piece of music and like I mean for better or for worse I grew up on Woody Allen films as well so like that film is just synonymous like uh, Manhattan yeah. and, and, and George Gershwin's score is like they, they just go together perfectly so there's something about that and the intro do you know the song the flute no, I don't, no. is um, it just has this is it a flute or an oboe or a clarinet and it just has this beautiful beginning and it rises up into this riff and then like, the song takes you on this amazing journey and it's a it's a really great piece like if anyone's like next time someone listens to this if you get in the bath and you're like now yeah, what do i listen to just put rhapsody in blue on or kenny g start with kenny g. no start with rhapsody <laughs> in blue and then move over to kenny g and it gets so when things get hot in regards to um the way that, I mean, the way you've, you've described two quite s- dissimilar intros that you've covered. Oh, totally, yeah. And so... It's because I couldn't pick. I didn't know, 
I, I find it impossible to make a definitive choice on anything. Okay. Well, in restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> so what I want to know is when you're writing songs. Yeah. Like, what approach do you do you go for? Are, are you mindful of things like radio? Are you mindful of things like, um, you know, that? If we've not got them in the first 30 seconds, we may lose them because of the, uh, the nature that a lot of people ingest music now. Mm. Or do you just think, well, I'm doing what I think's right and I'm just rolling with that? I think with the Kenneths, it was just like, it was just don't second guess it. It was like, if the song's one minute long, that's fine. And if it's four minutes long, that's fine. I mean, they never got to beyond, beyond I think. I think our longest song was like two and a half minutes, I yeah. think, on across four records. <laughs> like, um, it was... See, I had a whole career before the Kenneths of being a solo artist, and I, you know, I did the, I had the whole, um, you know, you read those stories of like the record deal gone wrong, mm-hmm. and I, I totally had that journey of like I signed a deal, I made a record in in France, and then I worked with this big name producer out there, and and then after that, I started doing a lot of co-writing, and I think that that was, I mean, I'm so grateful for those experiences of being able to write with like, you know, Guy Chambers and all these like wonderful songwriters, like where I really, like, even if you write a bad song with those people, which nine times out of 10, co-writing is an odd thing because when you go into co-write, no one says it, but everyone's thinking we need a hit. Yeah. And I'd signed with this management company, which for better or for worse, were really trying to, they were trying to make me like, I guess like, Bruno Mars, which is ridiculous because he's so much more talented than everyone, especially me. Like, I, I saw him a couple of the, weeks ago. The guy has, it's, it's like a, a, a powerhouse of talent, that guy. It's, I mean, I'm not a massive fan. My, my, my wife is and my children are, and so I get exposed to it a lot. Yeah. When I heard that Locked Out After Midnight, the one that sounds a bit like the police that wants uh, Locked Out of Heaven. That one. Yeah. That's a fucking great record, it's that is. It's a great song. Um, yeah, and I saw him at High Park maybe a month ago. I think it's the closest I'm going to get to seeing Jackson or Prince. Yeah. It was, it was the fucking real deal. Yeah, man, and he gets so much shit, and it's like actually that guy can write a song, and he can play uh, the song. He can play the song. Do you know what? Like this is uh, uh, so when the Kenners, when we were rehearsing in our rehearsal room in Hackney, this was like three years ago or something. Just as a band started, it was right before. We did a warp tour. And the way that we would rehearse the songs is we'd go and play them at like quarter speed or half speed. So we could play them really slowly. And then by the time you speed them up, you'd be able to play them really fast. Mm -hmm. And there was a guy on the balcony um, looking in our rehearsal room from the studio next door. And I went out for a cigarette and it was Mark Ronson. And I was like, and I, you know, I, I I didn't realize it until he said, oh, I'm Mark. And he was stood outside the rehearsal room and he was listening to this song. And I was like, I went, oh, what's, is, is that, what's that? He was like, oh, it's my new song. It's my new single. I just haven't, I, I can't listen to it anymore. I spent like two and a half years working on it. And I just, my friend in there at the label is listening to it. And I, I just can't handle it anymore. And I was like, oh, what's it called? And he was like, oh, it's called Uptown Funk. <laughs> and literally, like, honestly, four days later, it came out and took over the world. And I remember saying to him, I was like, who's, um... So who's singing? He's like, oh, it's Bruno Mars. I was like, oh, cool. And who's the band? He's like, well, it's, it's mostly Bruno. Like, he's playing the bass and the guitar. And I was like, and his brother's drumming. But then I think he did some of the drums and he's, yeah. he's done. Like, and he, played, like, he fucking played everything on the song yeah. as well. As well as co-writing. Like, yeah. And that guy's like... And he can dance like a motherfucker as well. 
Did he do the drum solo? Uh, no, he didn't. What, the one he done at Super Bowl? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty decent, isn't it? fucking play the drums. Anyway, so basically my managers were trying to turn me into that, which was never going to happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I mean, I've not seen you dance, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, and you never will. <laughs> and, um, and they... You know, for, I, I kind of believed them and I was like, and, and it wasn't, it's, this is the thing, is like, it wasn't like manipulation of a management company going, oh, we're going to turn you into this. And I was like, no, I fucking wanted it. I was, you know, 22 years old and mm -hmm. was like, yeah, great. If they think I can make some money, let's do it. And I did all these co-write sessions and um, I really learned in the co-writes like how to write and how to not write. Or I don't think I'm a, a great songwriter, but I really learned like tricks of the trade, I think. And... Um, that then became the sort of albatross that sort of sunk the ship of my like solo career because then it was, I, I remember listening to all my songs, like must have been Christmas four years ago now and I just hated every single one of these songs, all these co-writers with all these like big writers and they were, and thing is when you go in with a co-writer you take part of their identity and you try and connect that to yours yeah. and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and I, and the problem is, is if you've done 12 songs with 12 co-writers and you're maybe a little bit nervous in the room or you're, you're young or you're not assertive or maybe, you know, you're not very good or whatever, all of those reasons, I just didn't really, all the songs were like, it was like a, it was like a smorgasbord of songs, but it was like none of them were connected. They all yeah. sounded complete. One sounded like a Cure song, one sounded like... Uh, you know, a pop song. Yeah. I remember listening to it and going, what the fuck has, have I done here? Like, this is just not, I don't see myself in any of this. So that's literally the moment that Kenneth started when I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to write exactly what I want to do. And like, I grew up as a punk rock kid. And, that right. was, and that's, that's, that's the approach of where that songwriting was to answer that question in a very long, <laughs> long rooted way. Okay. It's, it, it was just like, we'll, we'll just cut out all the fat and I just want to write exactly this now. Well, I, I guess growing up, and uh, I imagine we're going to touch on kind of punk ethos as we mm. work our way through this this podcast. But the, the second track I asked you to pick is the first track that you remember even having an emotional impact on you. Yeah. What did I put? I can't remember. Uh, you've gone for MJ. Yeah. And, uh, and Heal the World. Yeah. So, how old was you then? I think that was the first album I ever heard there were two you know when your brain kind of turns on when you're a kid and you suddenly come into onto the planet you you, you know like your first real memory mm -hmm. my first two memories that to me are one and the same thing is hearing michael jackson dangerous and running home falling over and shitting my pants <laughs> right those are the two moments where i became co like sentient right and my what does sentient mean? I think it means, I, I learned it from Star Trek. Right. I think it means alive. Oh, okay. Thinking, thinking, <laughs> doing, like data from Star Trek right. as a sentient being. Yeah. Look, Chris ain't here, so we can't go down a Star <laughs> Trek worm, old man. Can't happen. Um, no, we totally can. Uh, <laughs> and that was, yeah, Dangerous was, I think it was the first album my dad gave me okay. on CD. And so you say that was the first one that affected you emotionally. Emotionally how? Because I just remember hearing... This hearing, wasn't the same day you shit yourself. It was around the same time, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> um, but I, I really liked Black and White. Yeah. And I really liked... Because uh, Macaulay Culkin was, yeah. did the rap in the video. Which I only just learned. You know who did the rap in the video? 
it was the producer of the song who invented a rap name. Basically, they wrote the song and the producer of Black and White. So anyone who, it's the production, the game, yeah. the, I, I'm not going to spend my life being a color. Yeah. Doubly ironic. But um, <laughs> he, uh, the producer wrote and produced the song with Michael Jackson. I don't know who the other co-writers were. And then he put a rap in there which has a great intro. Yeah. Oh, yeah, amazing yeah. synth break. And then it just goes to this fucking naughty funk guitar. Yeah. And, uh, and he just recorded a rap as an example and was like, here you go, Michael Jackson. Here's the, here's the rap. When you get someone in to do it. And I think the idea was to get LL Cool J, which is yeah. why there's like LL Cool J, like affectation in yeah. the voice. And uh, Michael was like, I love it. I really like it. Well, let's have it right. Let's keep he it. He could have had... Yeah. Anybody on he there, could have had anyone, they? And, he, and, they, and he liked the rap, so they kept, and he felt like he got the point across, and they kept it. And apparently, that guy still gets like bookings under the fake rap. Fuck name, off. And he's never really? done a gig. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the guy's name. And he created this like fake name. It, it was something like Snowflake or something. And then, and people still try and book this guy for gigs now, like 25 years later. That's amazing. Yeah. So. How old was you then when you heard this? I think I was like four, three or four. Okay. Yeah. Where, where was you living then? So my dad was in the Air Force. So we lived in, uh, fuck, somewhere in England. I can't remember where. But then we moved to Malaysia. Okay. Um, which is where I grew up till I was 10 and, um, or eight. And, uh, and so I took Michael Jackson. And Michael Jackson was like my... As I moved abroad, he was like my only friend. Him and Elvis Presley were like the two yeah. things that, because I didn't speak the language and I didn't have any friends, and so I would listen to religiously listen to my dad's like CD collection, and uh, and Michael and Heal the World as well. That's a weird one because I don't. I, it's not his best song. It's really not. <laughs> it's such a bad song. <laughs> it's at um, that point that someone should have had a word. Heal the world, make it a better place for you and for me and the entire human race. The thing is, right, I'm, bless him, that's where his head was, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, he was yeah. so detached, wasn't he, yeah. at that point, that he probably thought that was a really amazing thing he was doing. And, you know, I think, I, I guess it was, it come crashing down with the Jarvis thing at the Brits, that, that kind oh, of like... Man. And And I'm, I remember hearing... Bob Geldof talk about it and he said that Jackson phoned him after that and was like why, why would he do that why would he do that to me like you know I was just and he couldn't see the ridiculousness of how bonkers he, you know literally he was literally up for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's, I think, 96 Brit Awards. Yeah. Jesus Christ posed on and stage he, and he comes on stage in the crucifix pose yeah. And, and Jarvis Cocker gets on stage and moons him. Yeah. And I remember it being on the news the next day. I was, and I was like seven or eight. And yeah. I remember legitimately thinking that Jarvis Cocker was going to go to jail. But did you hear who, <laughs> if it went to court, who was going to be his brief? Who? Bob Mortimer. Fucking. That would have been the best. That would have outdone OJ. That would have been I incredible. honestly thought, I was like, I remember certain things in my childhood. I remember crying when Firestarter by The Prodigy was number one because I was so scared. Really? Yeah. What, a flint? I was so scared of the video. And also just, I was, I was sad about the state of music. <laughs> I wept. I wept for pop music when I was like a child. Because it just That's came incredible. on. And the irony is, as you get older, you're like, yeah, I mean, that was the best thing that, that yeah. year, maybe that decade. Was you still trying to heal the world, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
but it was like it was like PJ and Duncan and like all that stuff. Yeah. And I just moved back to England, I think, or was just, yeah. And 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 I remember like moving back to where to an RAF base in Suffolk, wow. which is a great place to live if you're a little brown kid. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> if you want to go from Malaysia, where there's every race, to just exclusively Brexit town, yeah, it was a, that was a, that was a, yeah, that was a weird one. Well, that leads us on perfectly. Oh, great! Uh, to track three. Well, what did you vote for Brexit? Oh no, uh, okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, the, the, the song that reminds you of your your time at school. So, what, the, the songs that you've chosen. I'm sorry, sorry, I can pick one, man. I'm sorry. That's all right. I'm, I'm used to uh, you being greedy. Um, so track, yeah, it's the song that reminds you of school. And, and, and looking at the time scale of these, when these come out, I imagine this is secondary school in, in Suffolk. Yeah. Yeah? Okay, so who do you want to start with? Which ones are they? You've gone for... Um, Weezer. The entire catalogue of Weezer. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. No, actually, I've said anything from yeah, the first, first two time, albums. Right, okay. So I remember when my dad bought a computer and Weezer was the it was like the Windows player okay. example video, which is a big deal to Inc. Yeah. Like imagine the day that David Geffen or whoever it was at the label was like, yeah, so anyone who buys a Windows computer gets your music video for free. Yeah. And it was the Happy Days Buddy Holly video, you yeah. know? Where, which is amazing. Yeah, where Spike Jones photo or, or like, you know, blue screens them into yeah. the fucking is into that Happy Spike Days. Jones? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's an amazing, one of the best music videos ever. ever. Mm. And I remember just loving that song and then buying the records. I think I got my cousin to buy the album for me. Okay. I used to get my cousin Paul. Blue to, album. Yeah. Yeah. To buy me records that my parents, or he'd make me CDs yeah. of albums that my parents wouldn't allow, but he'd yeah. write a different name of the band on the CD. Oh, okay. So like Fuji's The Score was like Blur, Great Escape, stuff like that. So it's like a covert operation of listening to X-rated okay. music. And I thought Weezer would be like out there. Yeah. So I had a, um, a CD of it and it just, yeah, it just changed my life. Again, like they're one of those, but that album is flawless. And it's also one of those albums that is pop music with all the fat cut yeah. out. There's no, I mean, the last song, Only in Dreams, is quite long. But like mm -hmm. really, it's a, such a journey. There's no... There's no error on that record yeah. at all. Um, and yeah, and it was produced by Rick Akasek mm -hmm. from The Cars, which has now become yeah, yeah, one of my... Love the cars, yeah, I love The Cars, yeah. Um, what was the other one? Uh, you've gone uh, Manson, Dope Show. Yeah, yeah. that's good. So, so, I mean, what are your memories of, 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 of moving back here and being at school? Like, did, you know, it's quite, was, was there other well, mixed-race children there? No, fuck no. No, right. I remember. So, I mean, did you get shit for it? Yeah, I remember the first thing that anyone said to me at uh, school in England, or moving back to England, and and then I was never aware of race because I lived in Malaysia and yeah. I, you know, and it was like, you know, I was an Air Force kid and like the it was weird. The school that I was at in in, in Brunei um, was the sp the playground was split in half. And one half of the school was the internet, like the quote-unquote Christian school. And the other side of the school was the Muslim school. And there was literally a fence in the middle of the school separating them. And I remember being a kid and being like confused by and, and weirded out why I couldn't play with the kids on the other side of the fence. Yeah. So like, um, and then came back to England and yeah, my first day at primary school, the first thing that anyone said to me was this girl just went, you're the same color as poo. And I was like, 
that was the point when I was like, oh yeah, I've heard of this racism thing. Yeah, because my parents never mentioned it. My mum's black, my dad's white. It just never, they just never, it never came up. Yeah. So it was never. Um, Have you asked them why? Why that was never? Uh, no. I just, I just figured they were just like, well, fuck it. He's a person. Yeah. You know, there's no point making him aware of it. Yeah. You know. I also didn't know I was short until I was about 14. It makes you feel <laughs> any better. I only found out I had a lisp about two years ago. You don't have a lisp. I have got a lisp. Have you got a lisp? Yeah. And Say uh, slithering snake. Slithering snake. Oh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, but a little one. Yeah. Who pointed it out? Uh, my business partner. She went, yeah, well, you've got a lisp in you. I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, no, I haven't. She went, of course you have. I was like, I haven't. I remember someone meeting my mum uh, and go, one of my friends, and he was like, oh, now I get why you're so small. And I was like, and I suddenly just remember, and then I, was, I realized I was looking up at all my friends and I was like, oh, fuck, I am small. I need, Shit. To, I need to grow an upside down pip head. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why the mohawk now, yeah. <laughs> Josh mentioned earlier that he's, first, he's got an old photo of a pip where. Uh, did we record that? We bit? did record we that. We did record yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Jesus oh, right. Christ. Yeah, God, it's been a long day, mate. It's been a long day. Right, so you go to school <laughs> in, in Suffolk and I'll. I don't know if we mentioned it earlier, but I got a picture of me and Scroobius Pip. Okay, what's, what's the story with that? <laughs> <laughs> this is why when you get it, I always say, because I know we're going to start banging on for ages. And, and I just think, what I need to do is try and stop any conversation before we start recording. To because, be fair, you did stop me. You yeah. were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Let's just let's yeah. start, because we just started chatting. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Exactly. Uh, That's all right. That's all right. I'll forgive you. <laughs> um, so did you enjoy school? Uh, yeah. So, I think it's where I learned to be funny. Because okay. you have to be funny if you're small and you don't want to get put in a wheelie bin during lunch break. Right. I think so that's it, sort it of was where that kind it, of... Yeah, but that's where most people, I think, learn how to have a sense of humour. Is, is yeah. A lot of the times it's a defence mechanism. Yeah. Isn't it? Um, but no, no, I mean, yes and no. Um, what's there? Do you know what's funny is race was a big thing when I was like nine years old. And then it never was, and then now it is again. That's what's weird after Brexit. That's fucked up. Suddenly, the racist comments come out when you're playing in Plymouth or when you're playing in Hull. You hear it, you hear it more. Serious? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An example of what, recently? Yeah, I got called a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got called a nigger in Plymouth. Fuck off. Yeah, which is weird, because I'm... And then I got called a hipster packy in, in Hull, <laughs> which is like... <laughs> which is a weird... It's quite a good insult, as, as horrible as it is. Yeah. But I, it was funny, man. I was just walking down the street on the way up to the venue from a sandwich shop or something, and someone wound down the window. And I, still, I just have this image of the girl who said it, how long it took her to wind down the window. It was like a red Ford Sierra. <laughs> and I just thought, I was like, it's actually quite funny that she went, hang on. She was like, she saw me, and she was like, all right, I've got, I've got a zinger. And, but then she had to, like, wind down this window and then, like, and like get Dave, who's driving to slow down. And then, like... You know, there's a process of what of where that insult came from that's quite funny. But yeah, no, it's it's definitely getting worse. Fucking tragic. Yeah, but what are you gonna do, man? Some people are dumb. Like that's that's it. Like I can't. There's no point in me turning around and correcting them. Yeah. You know, actually, my mum's Mauritian. Yeah. So uh, you know, I don't know if there's a, a a way around it at the moment. It's 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 depressing. But you know, I did say to you on when we. When, when this come up on hardcore listing, that you know, I, I won't sort of repeat too much of it because we, you know, we did discuss it on our podcast. But how incredibly it's when I watch my children do not see colour. Yes, yeah, and it's incredible. Yeah. 
you know, whereas, you know, I, I'd be guilty of it. When I was at secondary school in the, you know, in the eight, late 80s, it was like, that was the black kid in my school. Yeah. You know, and that was the Pakistani kid in our school because there was one or two. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it was, oh, look. I remember, like, I remember the first day I started uh, sixth form college and there was a kid from my high school, primary school, who'd left, but he was at the sixth form college. His name was Tanish. And I, and I went up to, he was Indian, I think he was Indian. And, and I, I went up to one of the, the guys in my year and I was like, oh, is, is Tanish at this college? I haven't seen him yet. And the guy went, yeah, 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 but we call him Vinegar. And I was like, why? And he went, because he's Vinegar. And I just remember thinking, Jesus Christ. Wow. That's like... But it just, I never really heard it, especially moving to London as well, yeah. where racism doesn't really happen. Mm. And um, I mean, one thing, I, you know, I mean, the thing is, is with, with politically and economically, like everything that's happening, it is like, it does feel like this problem has been hiding for a while. And I do think the only way to get beyond it is actually to address it face on, which is exactly what's happening. Yeah. Like whether you, for better or for worse, to address that there's, uh, you know, uh, a lot of a lot more that th th there are a lot of racist people out there. That there are, but I think that conquering that now is definitely going to lead to a better thing. I, hope so. I, I mean, I, yeah, I hope so as well. But I, and I do think it's like the death rattle of a of a of a generation prior as well. Yeah. I don't think that young kids are seeing stuff like that. No, not um, not, not in the or at least the majority of young kids aren't. So, as a, as a young kid at school. Did you feel a connection to people at school? Uh, yes, yes and no. Not really till I went to college, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing the more people I do this podcast with that generally echo, uh, uh, creative people I speak to echo that, that like, you know, they weren't called to do what they were doing at school, but when they got to college, it was like, no, this is really fucking cool to do this. And yeah, it just, I just knew I wanted to make music and, and, and be funny. And, and, and Was that. you a show off at school? Yeah, in um, in high school age, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Liked attention. Yeah, yeah. Thank God I'm over that. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, no, I did. Yeah, why, you know what? Why, there's why there's, there's a line in um, there's a line in um, one of the Christopher Guest films where Eugene Levy, someone asked him if he was the class clown. He goes, "I wasn't the class clown, but you know what? I studied the class clown." <laughs> And yeah, I was an absolute little shitbag at yeah. school. Yeah, absolutely. Got in so much detention, so much trouble. Um, and yeah. Uh, what, for having a smart math and... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But, it, it, you know, what are you going to do? And so... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You were playing instruments and stuff then and as you, as you started messing around making yeah, music? Yeah, I, I started playing guitar when I was 12. So, yeah, having heard actually one of the artists that's on this list, that was sort of the reason I picked up a guitar, yeah. So it was things like, I was too old to kind of, I was already cynical when Marilyn Manson came out. Mm. And, and so I imagine you, you was what, 12? No, younger than that. Maybe younger than that. Yeah, 10, 9, 10. So, I mean, that's something to behold Marilyn Manson oh right God. I just I, I think about that now I, I revel in like the fear yeah like that guy was a f- whether you like his music or not he was like a an absolute like marketing genius yeah he terrified middle America yeah and he he made everyone I remember having the tape well he was to blame for Columbine wasn't he yeah and like and 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 weirdly was the most astute person in the show as well. Along what, with would you say, what would you say to him? I wouldn't say anything to him. I'd listen to him. Yeah. What a fucking what answer. What a great zinger. Yeah, what, <laughs> a, what, a wonderful way to, what a wonderful way to approach that. Yeah. And, 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 and he was so hated and there was so much fear. And like, the funny thing is, is I remember my dad listening to it in the car and my dad just going, oh, it just sounds like Bowie. Like, because I remember my dad would confiscate, like he confiscated my Fuji's record because it, it had like swear words in it. Yeah. And this wasn't the Fuji's record that had blur on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's how I got around it. But he, um, he confiscated those records, and then, and then when he heard Marilyn Manson, then I think the, uh, there's the second line of the song is like, Cops and Queers. Yeah. And I don't think The Dope Show is like one of the greatest songs ever written, but I think it's a fucking great... I think yeah. for, and, and it's timeless in, it, in a way, and it defines that era in a way. And I remember my dad hearing it, and he went, Cops and Queers, and he did, the, he did this face that was like, he said queers. And I was like, yeah, but so does David Bowie. I just had it prepared. I was Brilliant. like, Bowie says queer, doesn't he, in that yeah. song. And he had like, Bowie had Queen Bitch. Yep. And I knew enough about Bowie th- from my dad playing me the records that yeah. like, he was androgynous. Yeah. And so my dad was like, oh yeah, okay, fair point. Default, you can yeah. have that. And the cover of the record, I don't know if you remember it. He was, yeah, he had yeah. no genitalia. Like he was, it was like yep. a mannequin. Yeah, had like boobs, but then yeah. a smoothed over crotch, yeah. and it was like, what is he? Yeah. And then there was the rumor they had a rib removed. Yeah, that's right. So he could blow himself, which yeah. I'm obsessed with. How you talk to your GP about that? Like, yeah. how do you go in? How do Prince you? had that as well, right? Yeah, but at what point? When the doctor comes in, he goes, "What can I do for you today, Mr. Uh, Manson?" Uh, well, <laughs> <clears throat> I I want a rib removed so I can. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's. Like, is it, can you get a rib removed? It's got to be easy just to do yoga, right? <laughs> <laughs> Bloga. Can you even do that? Can you get a rib removed? Won't stuff fall out? I don't know. Wouldn't you hernia more easily? I would have thought so. I just find it weird that people just immediately went 
oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. If you got a rib removed, you'd be yeah. able to, like, no one was like, how do you, where do you even find the doctor? Yeah. I am never going to be able to look at anyone with a hernia again now about thinking, you dirty old man. <laughs> You've been munching yourself. But yeah, he was, uh, yeah, Marilyn Manson was, um, I, I just, I remember having the tape in my pocket and running in, or maybe it was a CD, maybe it was a CD single and I, I was running and my bag, and it fell out my bag or my pocket or something. And the school, a school teacher picked it up. And obviously he was all over the news. Yeah. And she looked at the, the CD and just went, you know he's evil. Wow. Like that. And I was like, and I just remember thinking, yeah, that's, isn't that great? I, you say marketing dream, right? I, we, back when I was doing bands, we, we, we went to the uh, Sony building to see this, this, this guy that had been coming to watch us a few times. And... Uh, and we took our, our EP and he was like, right, you know, and he was like, right, look, listen to it. And, and he went, yeah, like, and he held up a copy of Kerrang! with Marilyn Manson on the front. And he went, you guys just don't look like this. <laughs> and like, and, and as much as I just thought, yeah, but that's fucking disposable. Like, you know, we're, we're writing proper music. Like, I look back now and I just think, no kid is going to look at me and my mates and just think, I'm having some of this. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. But you're going to look at Marilyn Manson. For me, mm-hmm. I caught License to Ill. So that dropped when I was a kid. And I was like, this is that band that are barred from England. And they're not allowed to come to England. Mm-hmm. And they've got inflatable pieces on stage. They tried to ban them, yeah. Great. And, uh, but they come over and, you know, and it was just like... Who? God knows. Isn't that weird? Uh, yeah. Like when it's like they got banned and it's like... but. Who does, who's... I reckon it's the same person that's got the book where he's also got facts on having a rib removed to blow your own <laughs> cock. It's just that person, right? Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So... If you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. Whose job is it? I don't know. Like, who is this person? We should find out. That's a great job to have. Like, Ramstein got banned, but that's because they bought a pyrotechnic show for a stadium into Brixton Academy. I sort of understand that. Yeah. Because you're not meant to singe your audience's eyebrows off. Frowned upon, right? Yeah. And I kind of, when that happened, I remember being like, well, yeah, don't set your audience on fire. Yeah. Um, And... But who, I, I've always wondered that. Like, who are the people that are like, we, we've got to stop. This you, was when, you, know, want, you know what the problem is? It's, it's music. Exactly. That's what the problem exactly. is. Bloody people enjoying themselves. Track four, Josh. What's that? First record you purchased. Less Than Jake, Hello Rockview. Yeah. Scarpunk Heroes. They, yeah, they really were. Uh, back on the road, I believe. Yeah, we toured with them. Right. Yeah, that was a weird full circle thing. How was that? I've had a few full circle moments. Like we made a record with Bill from The Descendants. Wow, that must have been quite yeah. big for you. Yeah, it was, I mean, I have, yeah, I have the tattoo on my yeah. leg. So like that was a big one. And Hello Rockview was, was funny because 
I remember hearing it on the way home from school on Steve Lamac. And oh, the evening session. Yeah, he used to have the six till eight show or yeah. something. And I remember like, well, maybe it was just coming home from somewhere. And uh, I want to say football practice, but I wasn't in a football team. It was some kind of extracurricular. Brilliant. Chess club. Smoking weed. Is what it was. <laughs> I was. We were skating and smoking weed. And, um, and I heard All My Best Friends Are Metalheads on Radio 1. Yeah, that's a tune. Yeah, and the reason I put that album is actually, it was the journey to buying it that, that is so memorable. I don't know if it's the first record, but it was when my parents would let me get the train. So I was about 12 and I was allowed to get the train into Norwich. Right. And there was a record store called Sound Clash, which is uh, still there. And it's an independent record store and one of the only ones in Norwich. And like, so you'd wait. I remember getting to the train to, to wait for the train for the first time from this town that I lived in. And I remember looking at the timetable and going and looking at it. A train left every hour to get to Norwich. I remember looking at the timetable going, oh my God, that's so regular. Like that's... It's every hour. That's loads of trains. Yeah. And like now if I get to the tube station and it's like four minutes, I'm like, yeah. fucking hell, how dare they do this to me? <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? <laughs> this country is fucked. <laughs> um, and I bought, I got the train in, which was an hour, and then I walked half an hour to the record store and then I rooted through it. And I remember the moment I saw the cover and just like it was a monumental thing to like go somewhere and buy a record and I've, I've, I've recently sort of figured out why I'm enjoying reading comic books so much is for that same buzz of going into a place and not really knowing what you're going to get and picking up some things and spending a little bit of money on it and then taking it home and you open it up or you listen to it and like... So you get that, that, that rush from I've kind recent, of comic books. Yeah, shops. recently, yeah. From, from comic books, it's become like a, an odd thing recently where I, I, I totally get the culture. Like, I, I get it. There's, it, being in a comic book store is like how I felt being 12 years old in a record store now. Yeah. Like not knowing anything. Yeah. And all you, can, all you can do from it is learn. You yeah. know, it's really cool. And then, yeah, and then we toured with them last year. Right. Um, so it was pretty odd. It's a pretty weird thing because I have a picture. So I met the bass player, Roger, when I was 12 years old. And I had this picture uh, of me and him doing the devil horns. And I got him to recreate it with Amazing. me after the tour finished. So I've got these two pictures of like... 12 year old me and then me last year like oh, doing this yeah it was really cool um, but yeah that's that's why it was important to me it was just nice to get out of the house but well, what's, your, what's your stance on how important record shops are in this day and age I just think times are going to change you know yeah. I think that if, if uh, like books I think people will always want to turn a page mm -hmm. because that's a, what a book is <laughs> and like for anyone listening to this, he doesn't know what a book is. It's bound together pieces of paper with fucking words on it. Yeah. And you flip it, you flip it around like, a, like an idiot. Yeah. And, it's, and then you start when you don't know, and then it ends and you know. That's a book. <laughs> but music's different. It's for your ears. So if you're buying the thing or you're putting it in your ears from the computer, I mean, the sound quality is whatever. If you want it to sound good, you can buy the record. But I, I so, don't... I, I don't care. Like, so as an artist, so do you, did you put, how much thought did you put into album artwork and things lot. like that? You did. So much, yeah. And all our records were consistent. I mean, so the name of the band was the Kenneths. So we were like, well, let's, we called the first EPK 
And we were like, well, let's just spell the name of the band after that mm -hmm. one came out. So we had E, then we had double N, then we had X, which was another E, because we couldn't do a second one called yep. E. So we did E with a little X in the corner. And then we split up, so we didn't <laughs> we didn't get to finish it. Thought but, was there. Um, huh? The thought was there. Yeah, the thought was there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it was, um, yeah, it was absolutely, We a guy called Ross Sterling at a, a company called Studio Juice, who does like album design stuff? He, he he branded the whole band. Like I had I had I just said to him I was like I just wanted to be a big K, and he sent back a big K, and I was like great, and that was it. And he it was the whole thing was his idea, and like the Kenneth's logo was something we really took, like we were really proud of, and um, it was all him to be fair. And like, but with album artwork, yeah. And, and but then when we first released a vinyl, we did it with nothing on it. We just did no label, mm -hmm. nothing, because it was cheaper. Yeah. And then we tried to make it, we tried to pretend that it was because we wanted it to be like a white label, yeah, yeah. but it was just cheaper than an ink print, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really important to us. But I don't think that if, if people now want to listen on Spotify, I mean, the one thing I don't like about Spotify is how little they pay yeah. artists. And that's something we, I could go on about for ages. I yeah. actually find them quite sickening. Yeah. Um, and I think that they're just really fucking artists over. Yeah. Um, and that I hate. But if you're in a pub and you go, oh, you haven't heard this song, and then 15 seconds later you can play someone the song. It's crazy, How it? is that a bad thing? Yeah. Equally, putting on a record and having this amazing sounding thing come out and you get to hold this, it's, it's like, however you're listening to music, if yeah. you're enjoying music, it's, it's fine. Absolutely, absolutely. This is the one, your next track, is the one that confuses me a little. Uh, and so for track five, we, obviously we've, we, we're moving forwards now to the song that soundtracked your clubbing years. And I don't expect every song to be a, a hands in the air, you know, seminal acid house classic. <laughs> but you've gone for Mojo Pin by Jeff Buckley. <laughs> <laughs> I text you and said, because the question is, what is, was it Clubland? Clubbing years. Really? I think it said Clubland. Did it? The okay, text you sent okay. me. And I was like, what the fuck you is Clubland? You said you'd explain that, right? I didn't know what Clubland was. Yeah, I guess clubbing. Yeah, I, yeah, that shows how little I've been clubbing. Right, okay. The it, idea... Which is good, because I, a lot of people that I spoke to, Josh, didn't really have them hands-in-the-air moments in Ibiza and things like that. You Mate, know, the um, thought of going into a room where people are just moving to have fun terrifies me. Okay. I, the, like, the idea of going to a place and someone just going... Well, I, what do we do? And they go, yeah, let's dance. I'm like, that's my idea of hell. Right. Like hell is, a, is, just, is just a dance, is a nightclub yeah. to me. I can't, I don't understand dancing. Okay. I'm jealous of people who can dance. Yeah. And I love watching musicals. Yeah. But for me, the idea of expressing myself through the joy of movement yeah. is fucking like, horrifyingly scary. That's why you was never going to be the next Bruno Mars. Yeah, mate. exactly. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> And I did, uh, I went to, so my two nightclub experiences are my 18th birthday. My sister used to run the door of a nightclub in Norwich. Okay. And Was this like kind of trendy nightclub type? It was like a Friday night, chavvy, you yeah. know, like a proper Norwich. Yeah. It's exactly what you think a Norwich nightclub would be. Okay. Right. And uh, it, it snowed and all my friends cancelled. So that was my first nightclub experience. My second nightclub experience <laughs> was I took all my friends to this nightclub and then we went into the nightclub I parked my car because the only way to get to Norwich was to drive and we hadn't we just figured that we'd drink and then stay out 
till we were sober, till yeah. one of us was sober, and then yeah. we drive up, which is a foolproof, yeah, such an intelligent such way to approach idea. an evening. Yeah. And we just get the first train home in the morning. That was ours. Yeah. Yeah, from four till about seven. That's pure fucking hell. Oh, mate. Yeah. Chip shop. Yeah. And then just pick a fight. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and, then, right, and then just lean on the ropes. Yeah. yeah. And I remember going in the nightclub, and all my friends just disappeared. And they all went off with, they had hair gel in, and their shirts with the open, you know, you with the open they, shirt. Maybe they were dancing. Yeah. And they all just went off. And I went to the bar and was like, I'm going to get a beer. And then this girl just came up to me and just went, are you going to buy me a drink then? And I just walked out of the nightclub. It was like, that, I, don't know what to, I don't know what to do here. I don't know what... what it's, it's really weird you say this, right? Because for 27 years I've been a club promoter. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what to do in nightclubs. If I go to a nightclub, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of dancing. And... I don't enjoy it. Yeah. I really don't enjoy it. And, and it's my job to tell people that they're going to enjoy it if yeah. they come to this event. But at Pip and I's night that we do at, at the book club just around the corner to here. Uh, if, if We are lizards. Yeah. And that's, how often is that? Every other month. Okay, great. Right. How much are tickets? Uh, <laughs> it's five pound. And uh, who's at the next one? Um, who's at the next one? Uh, Mr. Dan Lassac and... Get Kate, where Kate fly. Great, that sounds like a great night. It's a great night. I think night. anyone listening to, it, to, to this should go to that. But uh, let me just point out that if you do want to come and meet Pip, <laughs> he will be standing outside with me because we don't know what to do in clubs. So we just stand outside and chat until we have to DJ. So yeah, if you're Pip fans and you want to come and say hello and get a photo with him, that's the best place to do it because we'll be outside for four out of five hours. I literally, I, I walked out of the nightclub, went back to the car park, paid the three quid got in my car and just listened to Jeff Buckley till my friends called me to see where I was. Oh, you waited for him as well? I just drove around the city listening to Grace. And that was it. That was, my, that was the thing I can relate to about clubbing music. That was like my nightclub album because that was my only time I went to a nightclub. I like that, though. Yeah. It was, you know, it was, and it's also a great record. Um, can I be honest with you about Jeff Buckley? Mm. I struggle with it. Yeah, you meant to, yeah. Because like, it's like, it's kind of uni... Music. It's like the deep guy that he, he was like the when you got to university and there was that guy who thought he was really deep and wrote poetry and could, yeah, do, but see, could do Scrabble. I don't see, I was, I was the guy at college that would be sitting in the common room that was the guy that was in the band that wrote the songs. However, I didn't look like Jeff Buckley. I never had probably the, the kind of, you know, mystique and, uh, you know, you know, interest that Buckley had because obviously he was a beautiful man. Oh, God. And, uh, yeah. And yeah, and with the voice of an angel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really weird. Like, I don't dislike Grace, mm. you know, as an album. And I love the track that's not on Grace that everybody... Everybody who wants you, yeah, from the seconds, yeah, from the demos, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's all right. But you know, so many of my friends just adore that album. And, and I've tried and tried and tried. I think, and that, I think that it's the first thing. that The reason that Je Grace is so revealed... Like, I actually don't think the second half of Grace is that good. Like, yeah. it's aged quite badly, like the eternal life onwards. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that the reason that that album is so revered, aside from the fact that it's really good, is that it's just... It's like an entry level of how you get to... If you, if you listen to shit music in your youth 
and or, or, or whatever. And and you, and he, Jeff was like one of the first thing you'd find that out. someone, you know, like your girlfriend's older brother, yeah, would go like, oh mate, you want to listen to that to yeah. Jeff Buckley, and and yeah. you and you looked up to him or something. Yeah, someone older than you would be like. That's that's music, yeah. and you put and and it was a very confusing sounding record, yeah, and very like had this very effeminate voice, and these incredible lyrics, and like I think that yeah, that's why I think people you I think people pass through Jeff Buckley. Yeah, I think yeah. I mean, to move on to track six, this is the one that's confused me somewhat um, for for someone that's living in Suffolk. I mean, this is a revelation to me, mm. and. Uh, this is so good because I've forgotten what I sent you. Uh, favorite song from an artist from your hometown, Elvis Presley, All Shook Up. Yeah. <laughs> is he from Norwich? Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking incredible. He's from Bungie, which is just outside of Norwich. Yeah. He worked in and the. going to think about mate, he works in, the, he works in the Chroma Chip Shop. He still works there now, apparently. Of course he does. Yeah. See. Of course he does. Yeah, there's a method to that. Mm. I picked that song because I don't really consider, I don't really have a hometown. Like, okay. I was born in Lincolnshire, but then I moved to the Shetlands, and then I moved to a bunch of places in England, then I moved to Malaysia, okay. and then I moved to Suffolk, then to Norfolk, then to London. So like, I don't really know what my hometown is. So I tried to pick a song that was at an age where I would, I would have had a hometown. And Elvis Presley was like, I was obsessed with Elvis Presley when I was a, a kid. Like yeah. I used to, Get my from one of my birthdays. I got my parents to buy me hair gel so I could like quiff it up. Yeah, but I've got curly brown hair. Yeah, like it was impossible. Yeah, it looked ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Did anyone look better than sort of fifty-eight Elvis? No, I don't think so. I even like uh, um, seventy-seven Elvis. The thing is, it's like I liked. I liked when he was like he didn't look like no one else. No one else wore what he wore. Mm -hmm. Like, jumpsuit, you don't go, oh, fucking, I suppose you could say the dude from uh, Van Halen. But, uh, but it, it was Elvis, right? Yeah. You know, and, and as much as I adore young Elvis, for me, I mean, I mean as a performance, 68 comeback, he's... That's the black leather, isn't it? That's Where the black leather, and, and then the guitar on the little stage. Yep, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then at the end, white suit. If I can dream. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And and as his arm starts to sway for the crescendo of that record, his voice is just off the chain. Yeah. It's so amazing. But I loved like Fat Elvis. I love Kentucky Rain. I love like. That kind of bit where when you almost see him doing Bridge Over Trouble and the, and the vocals are starting to fracture because mm -hmm. he's. High, sure. Yeah. High as fuck. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of footage of him off his nut performing, yeah. and like, yeah, he was. I was just obsessed with him. My dad played me one of his CDs, and it was like, it was just, you know, when you're five years old and there's a song called Hound Dog, you're like, oh, that's cool. I like dogs. Yeah. And that's literally where the where the thing goes. Like, it's yeah. like Ghostbusters when you're a kid. You're like, oh, I like that they catch ghosts. Yeah. And then as you get older, you realize how well Bill Murray acts in yeah, that film. Yeah, and and then it becomes a different thing. Yeah. Like, Elvis was like, yeah. And he's like, I wear shoes. He's singing about shoes. <laughs> you know? I don't like it when people tread on my feet. Yeah. Know? And um, so I think with Elvis, I was just, yeah, I, I became obsessed with. And when kids were meet, I Did I talk about this on the last one where kids would play cops and robbers and I would play Elvis? No. So like we'd we'd be 
because I, I loved all the films, the Elvis films, and I really liked G.I. Blues, which mm -hmm. is where he was serving in Nazi yeah, yeah. Germany. And he falls in love with a German woman. God, he looked And there's a well, great yeah. lyric in the song G.I. Blues when he goes, uh, you know, something like, we're not allowed to touch the women. And we're not, we're all, the, the, the women are pretty as flowers, but, all, you know, but there's a sign that says, keeping the off the grass. And I was like... <laughs> Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, and I had no idea what that lyric meant. Literally till I heard the song again about two yeah. years ago. I was like, Jesus Christ. That's Fantastic. a pretty intense thing for a six-year-old to listen to. Favourite Elvis song? Fuck. Oh, I think All Shook Up. I think Pound for Pound. Really? Do you know what I love about All Shook Up is the complete subtlety of how that song builds. And there's just someone tapping on a guitar. Or their knee or something. Yeah. And then, and then the first one goes, I'm in love and there's a little something, and then the second one goes, I'm in love, and then there's a tap on the guitar, and then on the third one, he goes, I'm in love, Ooh. and it's like he builds to this, yeah. like, there's so much in that, yeah. but if he'd done it on the first one, it wouldn't have been as good, like, yeah. you have to wait for the, like, and like, no one can do that as good as Elvis, ah, right? My God, and then it was also in um, Look Who's Talking, right. where I think John Travolta sings it while he's running around the nursery. He does. And that was a, a film I loved when I was a kid as well. I was talking about that at work yesterday, Look who's talking. And, uh, yeah. And, is it uh, good? Is it, is it? I, I watched it with my kids about two weeks ago. Um, Did they get bored? Yeah, but yeah. they got bored watching Breakfast Club and it, just, it, it hurts because I just think... How, how old are your kids? Uh, 15 and 12. Oh, okay. And, uh, and uh, sorry, two, two seconds. Okay. Sorry, I don't know why someone come in then. Okay, anyway, yeah, so one's 15 and one's 12, and I sat down, I thought, right, I'm gonna show them uh, Breakfast Club, because they watched some American teen show where they'd done like a Breakfast Club-style remake of oh, it. Oh, okay. And, uh, and so I was like, right, I can show you the actual Breakfast Club, and literally after half hour, they're just like, eh, it's all right. And it's like, oh, God. But look who's talking, so I put that on, and they quite enjoyed it. Um, but then it just reminded me that that, film I was way too old to be watching that film when it came out but I remember when my kids and then it was only talking to my workmate the other day she said that she was doing it that I think Kirsty Alley has just gone into the big brother house and so we was just going through the computer to see who was going God, into that must be a great word to hear with a Newcastle accent <laughs> D34 Kirsty Alley <laughs> great and so we just got to it and she said this morning before I even knew that she was in the papers because she was going to go and do that show. Uh, she said, I was dancing around the room with my uh, one-year-old going, a pee-pee in my party. Because <laughs> it was like, yeah, and, yeah, it was, it was, it. and it was John Travolta dancing around the room singing that. And I was like, oh, yeah. shit, I used to do that with my kids as well. Oh, that's really funny. I totally forgot about that. Okay, so your last track um, is where I'll give the guests an opportunity to um, thrust upon our listeners a song that they probably wouldn't have heard before uh -huh. and so it's something that is that an Elvis thing then? Brand oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh <-huh>. <laughs> and so yeah you get a chance to sort of go hey check this one out what did I pick? Uh, you went for Stiff Little Fingers Alternative Ulster yeah I was either going to go with Warren Zevon Carmelita oh nice which was a, a really great 70s beautiful singer songwriter song he wrote Superman that R.E.M. covered right? huh? I think he wrote Superman. No. That R.E.M. covered. I, well, if, if he did, if Warren Zevon wrote that, he never released it. How does Superman go? I am, I am, I am Superman. Like that doesn't sound like a Warren Zevon song to me. With the Werewolves of London guy. 
I'm sure that was. I'm, I'm probably completely we'll wrong. We'll look it up after this. Yeah, let's yeah, do yeah. That. In fact, it. if you're at home listening to this right now, hey, give it a Google. <laughs> if not, and tweet. Just enjoy Superman by REM. It's fucking great. Um, REM were meant to do the Friends theme song, didn't they? Really? They were asked to do the and they turned it down. Thank fuck for that. Yeah. Um, do you know why? I think they were gonna do it, but they'd they'd realised how much of a mistake Shiny Happy People was. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, we can't do that twice. Yeah. There's no coming back. So I read, um, I don't know why it was in Poundland, and so I uh, went on a holiday a few weeks ago, and Patsy Kensit's biography was in there. So I thought I'll buy that. That's cool. And That's a great uh, Poundland purchase. And, uh, and, and yeah, so I've just finished uh, reading Patsy Kensit's uh, book. Patsy Kensit got the role, had spent a week rehearsing to play Rossi's English girlfriend, and then was having dramas with her then marriage to Liam Gallagher, and went, no, I'm going to go and save my marriage. I don't want to be in this show. And walked out of wow. Friends. And then Beckinsdale stepped in. What was her name? Beckin, what's that actress's name? Kate Beckinsale. Because she said that they were really horrible to her, didn't she? Oh, and right. She was like, she was famously underpaid. She got like ten grand a show or something. And they were on a million a piece. <laughs> Shit. So stiff little fingers. Yeah, sorry. Um, angry band. Angry band, great song. Mm-hmm. An anthem of the sort of disenfranchised Irish youth from that era. Absolutely. And uh, I was introduced to stiff little fingers from the film High Fidelity. Yes. Remember that scene? Yes. Green Day are influenced by uh, two bands, uh, in my opinion. Uh, the Clash, yes, and uh, Stiffle Fingers, and he puts that song on. And I bought the record. And that's the young girl from Roseanne that buys it, right? Yes, mm. it is. Um, and I bought the album in the same record store, in Sound Clash in Norwich, and it just, again, just perfect pop songs. Mm. And angry and angry raw. As fuck. And it's a raw sounding album man mm. that, that it's such and it's so minimal as well and um, yeah I, I, there's a song called Barbed Wire Love on that record and, or, and there's one called Here We Are Nowhere that's like one minute long and it's over before you've had a chance to figure out if you like it or not yeah. you know and um, it was just such an important record for me it's still one of my favourite albums of all time and Alternative Ulster is the one I picked because I remember going into school with the album I and mean, I, I had a punk band at school. And I remember saying to the bass player, Max, I was like, I went, oh, I found this band, Stiff Little Fingers. Like, you know, it was like, it's like I found it through this massive film. <laughs> I found it through this huge Hollywood movie. It's really underground. Yeah. And um, I went, they're called the Stiff Little Fingers. And Max went, yeah. Um, I used to listen to them. My dad used to play them when I was like five years old. Uh, which song? And he was like, it's called Terrible Lobster. And I was like, what's that? And he went, you terrible lobster. They don't know what you want. And I was like, no, do you mean alternative Ulster? And he'd heard it as a five-year-old as the terrible lobster. Quite like that. (laughs) (laughs) And now we were sort of 12. And he just assumed that it was still cool. Do you think it would have made a difference to the troubles if it was called terrible lobster? I don't know if it would have been considered quite such a (laughs) social political commentary if it was called the terrible lobster. Um, But yeah, that... That song for me is if you're if you're near a, a thing with a with a music source, yeah. listen to alternative also. It's just an anthem and it's so uplifting, and the, and the songwriting on it is is class. Like the middle eight is great, 
it's and it's got a beautiful intro that it kind of it's like a it, the beginning of it sounds like a national anthem and it's just like it's and also if you listen to that song you can pretty much hear that there'd be no the strokes without that yeah. song you know there'd be no like listen to the drum beat when it comes in and tell me that it's not exactly like most stroke songs you yeah know? Um, and it, it just to me that song influenced like an entire generation. They 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 don't get the credit they deserve. No, not at fingers. Not at all. And which is weird because they are one of the most revered punk bands ever. But, yeah. but equally they're not. Mm. And they're still touring. Yeah. And they're not. They. It was that. Th it's the typical thing of what happens when you're in a band and you don't stop. Yeah. It's the same with the Deftones, or it's the same with people who actually forget how important those first couple of yeah. records were. Same with the Ramones. Like if yeah. they if they yeah, jacked yeah, in yeah. after four records, they'd probably be held to the same yeah. standard that the Beatles are, you know? And the Beatles did it perfectly. They had, it was six years for them, wasn't it, yeah. start to finish? And I think that, yeah, Stiff Little Fingers are one of the greats. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's over on Joshy's playlist to go and listen to, um, which is over on Spotify. I will tweet the links and such when we release this podcast in a few weeks from this recording today. Um, what's going on right now, Josh? Uh, I'm going to go get a pizza. Nice. Yeah. Uh, what's going on? I, I, I can't say it. I've got a thing coming out in a couple of months, but I'm not, okay. I, can't, I can't say till it's ready, but it's very exciting. Okay. Yeah. Well, when it happens, come back on and talk about it? Yes, if you'll have me. Yeah, always. Cool. All right. Thank you very much for having me. Josh, thanks, man. And I'm trying to keep these as possible to, to, to just over the hour. How long did we go? An hour and ten. Oh, okay. Um, well, that's shorter than last time. And it's shorter than last time. It's a shame because... I knew when you was going to come here and talk music, this could have been three hours. Yeah, I really uh, yeah. had to, I really tried to curtail those <laughs> answers as well. Um, thank you very much for having me. And also congrats on how well the Distraction Pieces Network seems to be going. Like, I listen to all of those shows. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. And I really oh. love the, I love this one. I love um, the movies to be buried with one as well. It's yeah, great. Yeah, Brett's on fire with that yeah, at the moment. He's crushing that. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's cracking. And it, it and, it, and if, you get a chance to ever hear Brett on either Pips or doing his... He's done two top fives on Hardcore Listing. Oh, okay. But he does his top five worst stand-up gigs, and it's up there in one of my favorites. What, top five done. that he went to or that, that recorded? He, that he done. His oh, performances. Wow, great. And it's some hilariously weird shit. Brilliant. And uh, that, that's a good listen, that one. But, uh, mate... Thanks so much for coming down and doing this Thank and coming so early and, and, and getting me out of a hole because I double booked and cocked everything up. But uh, It's all right. I'm not doing anything now. It's fine. I was, I was around. Go back home, Happy sling your dressing gown on and... Uh, Order a pizza. Sounds cool. good. Thank you so much for having me. Cheers, buddy. See ya. There you have it. We've come to the end. Could have chatted for ages. Unfortunately, it was... Um, it was a day where I where I decided to block book five podcasts in a day to record, so it meant I had literally a, an hour with each guest, and so I had to kind of curb it really. Whereas I would have been quite happy chatting to Josh for you know the whole day really because he's such an interesting dude, uh, really likable, got a cracking way about him, and uh, and you know that because. You've just got to the end of this podcast. Um, so thanks again to Josh. Thanks to the Hoxton Square Barn Kitchen for letting us record there. And thank you a lot for listening. And I will see you again next week. See you soon, guys. Bye-bye. 
Just Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, stew with him. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.